Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Okay, shalom everyone. We are going to turn to the book of Romans today, to chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is one of those chapters that are not easy to understand, and yet it's a very important chapter, I believe, for us to be occupied with, especially as we have covered so far the first six chapters of the book of Romans, and we want to move on to deal with the rest of the book, at least with some more chapters in light of what we have already had before, And Romans chapter 7 is part of those three chapters that deal with the theme of sanctification. Sanctification is the third section in the book of Romans. And if you remember, we said that Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 speaks about the sin that men had fallen into. The theme of Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 is sin. Romans chapter 4 and 5, the theme of Romans 5 is salvation that had been provided for us through Yeshua, Jesus our Messiah. And Romans chapter 6, 7 and 8 deal with the theme of sanctification, to be set apart. How believers like you and I are to be sanctified, set apart. And sanctification is a process. While salvation or justification is once and for all, but sanctification is a process that happened to us in our lives as we growing in our spiritual life. There is no such a thing of ultimate sanctification. That means that we are here and now in this world and we are ultimately have arrived to a standard, such a standard that we never sin. Sanctification is something that is progressive. We move on in our lives as we grow, as we get closer to the Lord. The more we are closer to Yeshua, the more we are set apart, away from this world, but for Him here in this world, living for Him a life that is pleasing, a godly life. So sanctification is a very important part of the life of the believer. And so, in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, we learn the process of sanctification. In Romans chapter 7, we have to learn the lesson of the relationship that the law has to the child of God, the believer. I want to read today the first 14 verses of Romans 7, and let's look at this together and see what the Lord has in mind for us. Let's read Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 14. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which hath an husband is bound to the law of her husband as long that he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband is alive, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, 
ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Messiah, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motion of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. For now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, or season and opportunity by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of desires. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, sin nature, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This is the reading for today. The next part of this chapter we're going to take next time because there's so much here to be said about the law in relationship to the believer. Now let me just say something in introduction to this chapter. is first of all that we as believers have weakness. You see, it doesn't mean that because we are saved, it doesn't mean because we become children of God, that we are all of a sudden uh, in a state of perfection. Because we are saved, we are forgiven, we are part of the family of God. God had provided grace for us. He provided the provision. He made us sons and daughters of the Father through the work of the Messiah, Yeshua. And therefore, we are a forgiven people. But still, you notice that in your life, and I as well in my life, still for some reason, we notice that we do sin as believers. None of us here in this room can say, listen, Brother Gideon, I haven't sinned in my life. All of us have to admit that sin is still coming out of our hearts, out of our practices, and, and we need to deal with it every day. So we have weaknesses. So how do we deal with sin in our lives as children of God? Here the apostle is writing to believers at Rome and helping them to understand how the people of God are to live the life victoriously in the power of the Spirit of God. But there are two issues that need to be dealt with. Number one, some group people says, listen, we are under grace and because we are under grace, we can do, you know, if we sin, that's okay, that's fine. 
Because God has shown us grace, and we can, you know, okay, He showed us grace, we are the children of God, and therefore, just carry on your life. Well, Paul had to answer to this in chapter 6. You remember, in our class, in our ministry meeting, we talked about, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, he says, no, we should judge sin. We should seek the Lord's help to deal with sins that arise in, in our life. We should deal with it. Chapter 6 dealt with it. We whole, whole chapter 6, the Apostle Paul dealt with it. But then, in chapter 7, Paul answered to the problem of another group of the people of God. And this other group says that, you see, after we have been saved, we need to live by the law. Paul answered in chapter 7 of the book of Romans to those who say the other side. Who says, listen, we are saved, but we need to keep the law as saved people. And Paul answering them in chapter 7 to those who say such a thing. And you see how clearly Paul deal with it. So in Romans chapter 7, Paul answered to the second group. In chapter 6, he answered to the first group. In chapter 7 of Romans, he is answering to the second group of believers with this statement, where we as believers need to be under the law. Now, the word law is mentioned 23 times in Romans chapter 7. You will see, the word law is mentioned 23 times in Romans chapter 7. Sometimes it has a reference to the law that God had given to Israel. We read today in, in Exodus chapter 20. But the whole law that God had given to our people of all the people of Israel, in Romans chapter 7, we have 23 times the word law is mentioned. Sometimes it has a reference to the law that God had given Israel. Sometimes it has a reference to the principles of law. Rules, regulation, all kind of rules of men that we have in this world in which we live in. Secondly, I want to mention that the believer have a tendency to do good by obeying all sorts of rules and laws which ultimately lead to legalism. You know what? Somebody is explaining the word legalism, and there is explanation to that. What is legalism? You know, rules of men, rules that we put upon another. Look what is the interpretation of the word legalism. Three things. Legalism is a belief that I can become holy, and I can please God by obeying certain rules. That is legalism. Legalism is saying, listen, I can become practically holy by obeying certain rules. I become holy and I can please God by obeying certain laws. Another thing, legalism is measuring spirituality by a list of do's and don'ts. That can lead us into legalism. So legalism is thinking that I can become holy by obeying certain rules and laws. Or legalism is measuring spirituality by a list of do's and don'ts. And we have to be careful here because certain things that I say you should do, and you say, I don't think that's what I need to do. And certain things I say you should not do, and then you say, well, I feel free at liberty to do that. And that can lead unto legalism. Look at the third thing. Legalism, it is judging by the outward appearance and not by the inward reality. 
You know, sometimes we have an inclination to put somebody in a box and we are judging a person by the outward appearance rather than by the inward reality. That's legalism. And so what we learn here in chapter 7 that it's not only that the word law is mentioned 23 times, but in chapter 7, or at least in general, we find that the believers have a tendency to seek to do good by obeying certain rules. Paul deal with it right now here in Romans chapter 7. Thirdly about this chapter, in Romans chapter 7, Paul shares three things about the law, which if a believer will understand and apply to his life, he will be spared from legalism. And oh, brothers and sisters, how you and I know from historical experience that we see it in the Bible, and from day by day as we meet other believers, how we have an inclination to lean or to fall into legalism, which we need to be spared from. And only the Lord through the scripture can help us to do so. And that's why we need so much to learn from the scriptures. Specifically chapter 7 helps us to understand what is the relationship that you and I as believers have towards the law or any law, rule of men. What kind of relationship we have towards it. So there is a principle of law, which is broader than only the law of Moses. There is a principle of law in which Paul deal with in chapter 7. So three things Paul is dealing here and trying to help us to understand that if we understand those three things that Paul deal with, we will be helped with our spiritual walk with the Lord and not fall into legalism. Today we're going to deal with two of those. Later on we're going to deal with the third one. So the first thing that the Apostle Paul does in Romans chapter 7, he shows us what is the authority, what authority the law has. This is the first six verses of Romans chapter 7. What is the authority of the law? Or what authority the law has? And really, he shows us here, he's building upon what is already said in Romans chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Follow me in Romans chapter 6. I'm going back to Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Paul said, Sin shall have no dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. For, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Don't you know that to whom ye yield yourself as servants to obey, his servants ye are? Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6 verses 14, 15 and 16, but especially verse 14b. For ye are not under the law but under grace. So Paul now, in verses 1 to 6 of Romans chapter 7, shows us what is the authority or what authority the law has. And he explained this to us. Look at this. The first three verses, first of all, in Romans 7, Paul uses the illustration of husband and wife. To show us what the believer have and that the new relationship that he has to the law because his union with Yeshua, the Messiah. Look, he shows us, know ye not, brethren, for I speak unto them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long that he lives. 
For the woman which have an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives and she be married to another man, she has to be called an adulteress, but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now, I want one thing to be clear here, that Paul does not teach here in Romans 7 verses 1 to 3 about marriage. He's not talking about marriage at all. The theme here in Romans chapter 7 is the relationship that the believer has towards God's law or any rules or any laws of men. He doesn't talk about marriage, though he used this illustration. In chapter 6, he used the illustration in our relationship to God, into grace, with whom we serve. And in chapter 7, he'd give us another illustration in relationship to a husband and a wife. So in chapter 6, a servant and his master. In chapter 7, a husband and a wife is used as an illustration. So in verse 1, it tells us that the believer should know that the law have dominion over men. You see, in verse 1, don't you know, brethren, he's talking to the brethren, by the way, you notice the word brethren is mentioned many, many times in the book of Romans. In fact, in verse 13, he's also used that word in chapter 1 as well. He's using that word for brethren many times in this chapter 1, verse 13, I should say. He used the word brethren quite often. So he's speaking to believers. And he said, I speak unto them that know the law. Now, who are the ones that know the law? And I can ask you a question. Do you know what the law means? Do I know the law? Do I know what the law demands from men? Do we realize what the law was given to Israel for? That's what he's saying here. Brethren, he's speaking, I'm speaking to you that know law, know the law. Do you realize the perfection of God's law? Do you realize how holy is the law that God had given to the people of Israel? Do you realize honestly in your own heart that you and I have never, ever, ever measured to the law that God had given to men? Do you realize that the law is actually is a mirror that revealed to us the reality that existing in our own hearts? That's what he's really saying. He's saying, you that know the law to you I'm speaking. You who should know what the law, the perfection of God's law, to you I'm speaking. He says, look, he says, don't you realize, he said, that the law has dominion over men as long that man is alive? In other words, the principles and the rules that God has set in this world have ruled, dominion mean ruling men as long that man is alive. Don't you know that? What he's really saying, that the reason that rules and laws have been given to man is to show man the reality that existing in his heart. And that the rules or the demands of God are so supreme, are so high. And so he's telling, he says, listen, as long that man is alive, then the law has dominion over him. 
You know, when God had created Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them this world to be for them, God has set some rules and laws in this world. And man is to obey them, but when man does not obey them, it proves to man his state, that a sinner, that he is not right before God. And so, Paul is saying that he, as long that man is alive, the law has rule, dominion over him. That's what we learn from verse 1. You know, when man is not alive anymore, then the law, you can tell men, give him any rules. You can set up the Ten Commandments before him, as long as he is dead, he cannot react to them. He cannot do anything when you can put before a dead person the law. He cannot do anything or any rule of man. He will not react to it. But as long as man is alive, the law have dominion, have a rule over him. That's why we make laws. That's why we make rules. Rules on the highway. Rules in the government. Rules in the cities. Rules in the schools. Rules in the workplace. Rules after laws and laws and laws. We make them. It has dominion over men as long as man is alive. By the way, one of the rules that we do have in scripture, already in the Garden of Eden, even before the Ten Commandments had been given, is that God had given the rule in the Garden of Eden to men already there. He told one of the rules that God said to men, you shall not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave him a law. He gave him an instruction, a rule, something to act upon. And men broke it immediately. Adam in the garden of Eden. He broke it. So Paul is showing to us, and you see what he's trying to do here in Romans chapter 7. He wants to show us the relationship that the believer in Yeshua the Messiah has towards law, towards rules. Towards the law that God had given to Israel, but also towards any kind of rules and laws of men. And the relationship towards the law when we became a believer is different than when we were before we became believers in Yeshua. And so in verse 1, believers should know that the law have a rule over men as long that man is alive. But now listen, in verse 2, it is the same thing, he says in verse 2, for the woman, and you see verse 1, like, just like the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. You see, what we learn here, that just like, and again I want to say here that he doesn't talk about marriage in a sense of teaching about marriage and remarriage and all these things here. Here he is dealing, he giving us an illustration in connection with the law. Just the same like a woman when she became married to her husband. She is under the law of her husband, meaning that she is to be committed to her husband and her husband is to be committed to her. Actually, it takes us back to Genesis 2, 24. Let a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his own wife, and the two shall be one flesh. In other words, what he shows us from experience of life, that as long as husband and wife, as long as they are getting married, the woman belongs to her husband as long as the husband is alive. Just the same like you and I, before we became believers, as long as we were here on earth, we and the law and any rule has dominion over us. And then he tells us, but 
Notice in verse 2. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. In other words, here is a couple, married couple. Time passes by and the husband died. Now the woman can no longer have the rule of her husband because he died. So as long that he was alive, she was responsible or under the headship and the rulership of her husband as the head of her home. But when he died, she is no longer, as it says here in verse 2b, she is loosed from the law, from the principle of her husband. And that's why verse 3 continues and tells us, So then, if or while her husband is alive, and if she's going to go get married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. In other words, as long as she is married to her husband and she is going to another man becoming his wife, then she becomes an adulteress. Then he says, if her husband be dead, she is free from the law of her husband, so that she is not an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Again, I would like to emphasize, and I'm saying it again, Paul does not teach us here about marriage. What he's making here an illustration of principle of life. Just the same like when a woman got married to another man, she is under the headship and lordship of her husband. It is very similar to us in relationship to the law. The law has dominion over men as long as man is alive. But when man is dead, he cannot react anymore to the law. So in verses 1 to 3, there is an illustration. Paul uses an illustration of a husband and wife to show us that the believer have a new relationship because his own union now with Yeshua the Messiah. You see, before we became believers in Yeshua, before our sins have been dealt with, we were still sinners. Our relationship was an Adamic relationship to Adam. And the rule, the principles, and the law was given to us to prove to us the reality that we have in our life. The sin nature that we have. And every law we find out, every rule that had been given to us, how often we broke it. It was given to us because we were to do it, to obey it, but we broke it. And so, verses 1 to 3, this illustration given to us from a husband and wife. And Paul shows us the relationship that we have to the law. Now, he's moving on in the next verses. He makes an application now. In verse 4 and 5, Paul speaks of the fact that we, the believer, we died to the law. Notice, he does not say that the law died, but it says that we died. It's interesting here in verses 4 and 5. Notice, he says, Wherefore, brethren, my brethren. Again, using the word brethren, again, he does not talk to unbelievers. He's talking to those who know Yeshua as their Lord and Savior. He's talking to the believer and he says, Listen, wherefore, brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of the Messiah, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, unsaved, the motion of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, in building upon verses 1 to 3, where he gave us this principle that the law have dominion over men as long that man lives.
You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.